0: And Lord, I bless every person here that where we go from this place, whether it's to family or friends, wherever it might be, that we would be able to share this Christmas story with others. It's a time of year when people's hearts are open to hear, and we choose to take advantage of that opportunity. And so Lord, would you bless this word? I ask my Lord and my God that we would see things we've never seen before, and that this would be fresh for us. And Lord Jesus, we want to say that in everything we do and say today, that you would receive the glory. Amen. Well, today is a shorter service. We're not going to do the normal six-hour thing. Um, It's just going to be three hours today. Aren't you glad? Uh, So in the few hours we have left, just kidding, for visitors, by the way. You didn't see that smile on my face. Uh, Believe it or not, the reason we don't have slides today is my fault. Because apparently the projector was given to me in a bag that I didn't know it was in. (laughs) So it is sitting at home enjoying a blessed Christmas there. Um, And so I'm just going to be more animated than usual because you don't get to see my funny slides. that's okay. Um, I believe that God's going to still do amazing things. And for people listening to the podcast, they never get to see the slides. And I feel like God did this for them. So they could feel like, you know, everyone just got the message today. Um, and whatever we missed in the uh, in the slides, you can come up afterwards. I'll show you on my laptop if you're really interested. But, you know, we gather today to celebrate and remember not just Jesus' birth, and that's where the world would love to keep Jesus, right? Baby Jesus in a manger. The world is quite happy for Jesus to stay in a manger, isn't it? In fact, the enemy is quite happy for him to stay in the manger. And maybe the, the world's Christmas uh, song goes a little bit like Baby Jesus meek and mild, God is just a little child. Doesn't make demands on my life to get me riled, and I'll celebrate with parties drunk and wild. None of you, I know, right? But we all know there's two Christmases going on today, would you agree? And uh, we, we carry the true message of Christmas. We also know, I don't know how many of you have um, read some of the background to some of the Christmas things that take place, that a lot of Christmas traditions don't actually come from the Bible or the church necessarily. And in fact, when Carol and I were in Namibia, there were a lot of families who chose not to celebrate Christmas because of certain pagan elements. How many of you have heard about some of those, you know? And the truth of the matter is Jesus did not come to reject anything. He came to redeem I think it's crazy to not take an opportunity when the whole world is ready to hear about Jesus and say we're going to reject that instead of redeem it, amen. And we're able to say things like, well, people say the Christmas tree was not of God because you know the tree was worshipped by pagans and it's true the Germans worshiped the oak tree. but you know where the Christmas tree came from? Yeah it, God planted it at the beginning. He made it come forth but there was a there was a monk who cut down and chopped down the oak tree in Germany where they would worship, and instead planted a fir tree because it pointed the way to heaven. And from that day onwards, the fir tree became known as the tree celebrating the way to heaven. So you can have a tree. In fact, the first tree that was ever decorated was by Martin Luther, who lit candles in his tree. I don't know if his house burned down or not. They don't tell us that in the history books. But, you know, there's a whole lot of redemption in the story of Christmas, even in just the, the, the rituals that we celebrate and the things that we do. In fact, um, it's interesting to note that Jesus, no one can say that he was just a historical figure. No one can say that Jesus was just a good man. No one can say that Jesus was even a great prophet. Jesus is who he claimed to be. Jesus is either a lunatic or a liar or Lord. Those are your only three options. Why is he a lunatic? Because only lunatics claim to be God. Right? right? Only lunatics say no one can get to heaven except through me. Only lunatics say that my body is the temple and this temple will be destroyed, but I'll raise it up again in three days. That's, that's lunatic stuff if it's not true. Would you agree with me? And then he was either a liar as well because half the stuff he said about the Father and I are one. If you've seen me, you've seen God the Father. Then he was either lying or he's who he claims to be. And that is the Messiah, the Christ, the Risen One, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, name above all names. He's got to be that. He can't be something in between. Would you agree? And so we celebrate him today. Because I don't have slides, if you've got your Bibles with you, you're welcome to turn with me. But I'm going to just quickly read from Isaiah, and you don't have to turn there because I want to do this just quickly. But there are over 300 prophecies about Jesus the Messiah. Do you know what the statistical probabilities are of one person fulfilling even a fraction of those? Jesus fulfilled every one of them. That's a miracle. Would you agree? And we have historical evidence that those manuscripts were written thousands of years sometimes before Jesus. Isaiah 6 said, a virgin will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us in Isaiah 6. Very many hundreds of years before Jesus. Isaiah 9, we all know this passage. And listen to what he says. For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given. And he shall be placed in a manger next to a stall of Santa and his elves. And the whole world shall look upon him and say, oh, sweet Jesus. And they shall celebrate and be merry and get drunk and raucous. Don't say I didn't warn you. No, let's see what he says about this child, this baby. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Can you tell us he's no ordinary baby? Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He did not die. His government is still increasing. I don't know how many of you watched the video Carol and I posted on Facebook and just talking about the fact that we don't just celebrate something historic, we celebrate the fact that his kingdom is increasing. It is greater in measure and power and authority than it ever has been before and it continues to increase. And it should increase in our lives. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with righteousness and justice. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. And so when we look at people celebrating the Christmas story, we know that many of them don't have the realization of who Jesus really is. Welcome to lesson one on what you can tell them at lunchtime today. Hallelujah. You see... There are two times in the year when people will come to church and hear about Jesus if they never go again. Unless it's baby marriage, you know, the, the three, birth, marriage, and we all know the other one. That Easter and Christmas are the two times people are open to hearing about Jesus. Can I propose to you that the message of each Easter cannot be separated from the message of Christmas? They are one and the same message. And we cannot celebrate the baby Jesus... Without celebrating King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and what he came to do. Let me ask you this. When we celebrate Nelson Mandela's birthday, would we have celebrated Nelson Mandela's birthday if he just lived in his quiet rural town and no one ever knew about him? Would you agree? He may have still been a great man. Why do we celebrate his birthday? Because of what he accomplished in his life, because of the legacy he left. Would you agree? We only celebrate someone's birthday because of what they did, what they accomplished, the purpose for which they came. So we celebrate Jesus, not because he was born in a manger, but because of what he did after that. Would you agree? And so yes, we celebrate that. And the story of Easter is a story that started not just in the manger. So I'm going to tell you a bit of a Christmas story today. Is that okay? Most of you would see my picture right here. There's a picture of... Mary and Joseph in the little stable. Everyone see that? At least Jesus had a stable birth, some of us. He was born in a very stable environment. And he was born in a little bed made, you know what a manger is? It's where the animals eat out of. (laughs) So they would fill it with straw and hay and the animals would eat. So they told the animals, shoo, shoo, and the animals step back and they put Jesus in the manger. And I think the animals were well behaved because the Holy Spirit and some angels were there at the same time. And as they placed him in that basket, people would say, well, that's the beginning of of the Christmas story. Or maybe the angel that spoke to Mary or Joseph, that's the beginning of the Christmas story. Can I propose to you that the beginning of the Christmas story actually is before the creation of the world? In fact, if we talk about the beginning of the Christmas story, we have to start with in the beginning. Anyone know where that is in the Bible? Genesis 1-1, right in the beginning, unless you go to the contents page, but that's not really the beginning of the Bible because that's not in the early manuscripts. But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, remember that? He created all the animals, He created everything that you see, that we see that He created. Why did He create it? For you and me. He made everything in this universe for you and me. So when people say, oh, there are other creatures out there, are the aliens out there, God created the stars for you and me. There's lots of scripture to talk about this. It's for us to look up there and see the greatness of who He is that He can say that everyone who looks at creation will be without excuse to know who God is. Whether they've heard the message or not, all creation shouts who He is. And to look at creation is to be able to say, only a God could have created this. Anyone who believes in evolution, well, then I'd say Lunatic. Just study the stats. But let me say this to you that in the beginning, God created, and I believe that He knew when He created man that man would fall. Because it says that Jesus is the Lamb who was slain when? Before the foundations of the earth. Which means God already had instituted a plan, He knew man would fall. And the story of Christmas starts in Genesis. If, you want, if you're very quick in your Bibles, you can flip around with me. But in Genesis 3.15, we see that everyone's blame shifting. And God eventually says this to Satan. Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and hers. He will crush your head and you'll just bruise his heel. Which one sounds like a worse injury? I'd say the devil got the worse injury, right? Someone crush your head or bruise your heel, which choice would you take? And so we see right from the beginning, God says he's going to come. Then, if we move to the Old Testament, and we read the Gospels about the birth of Jesus, there's one apostle who had a revelation about Jesus more than any of the others. The apostle, he refers to himself as the apostle who Jesus loved. So he loved Jesus, really, very much. In fact, at the Last Supper, he was the disciple that was reclining on Jesus' chest. You've got to be pretty close to a guy to recline on his chest while eating dinner. In fact, when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, John was the only apostle who heard who it was going to be, because Jesus spoke it right to him. That's why the other disciples were like, is it me? Who's it going to be? didn't know who it was. John, who knew Jesus more intimately, was the only disciple prepared to go to the cross with him, which means he was the only disciple that God spared from martyrdom. Every single other of the apostles was martyred. And John writes his gospel after the others, he puts things in his gospel that none of the other three put in. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are considered what they call synoptic gospels. They're very similar. John comes and he brings a whole new emphasis. So can we look at John 1, and you, you're welcome to get there with me. If you've got your Bibles now, turn to John 1. If you don't have your Bibles, I know you've memorized them, so that's fine. And he talks about the birth of Jesus, and he starts very similarly to Genesis. How does John begin? In the beginning. (laughs) I think he's trying to create a very similar feel to those who had read the Old Testament. And he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God and the Word was with God. Through him all things were made. So hang on, we're talking about baby Jesus in a manger, and John's saying that baby that was born in a manger is the one who was the Word, who was God before. He became a child, but he was not always a child. He was not always a man. He was not always human. He was, in fact, the God who created the universe. Everything that was created, the Bible says, then God said. How do you say? You speak Word. The Word of God came forth and created everything. And it says that through him all things were made. Nothing that was made was made without him. In him was life, and that life was the life of man. He goes on a little lower, and he says that he is the light as well as the life. The true light that gives light to everyone came into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, listen to this. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And he didn't seem to be doing these big flashy things to prove. He wanted people to believe by the words that he spoke. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but they did not receive him. And I love what he says after this. But to all who did receive him, he gives the power to become the children of God. Isn't that cool? So Adam and Eve fell away and lost their relationship with God. And God had to separate them from the garden. And God could not dwell with man anymore. So what did God do? He instituted a whole lot of processes in the Old Testament to allow the Jews and the people who wanted to worship Him to get close to Him. And so He instituted practices that He said, if you do all these things right, it will open a door for me to be able to spend time with you. That's how much you wanted to be with Him. And He chose Israel not to be a special nation for the rest of the world to look at. He chose Israel, as the Bible says, a type and a shadow of the church to come. And he chose Israel, and he said, I'm going to do things in Israel. And he gave them holy days, and he gave them feasts that they had to celebrate. And he said, if you do all of these things, I will dwell with you. I will be with you and show you what it will be like when the Messiah comes, because he will fulfill all of those holy days. He will fulfill all of those feasts, and he will become the last lamb sacrifice so that you can be with me. Because God's ultimate desire is to be with man. They didn't call Jesus man in manger, They didn't call Jesus child, baby. They called Jesus Emmanuel. That's prophetic because Jesus was the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament saying that God wants to be with you. Emmanuel means God with you. And we don't realize, maybe because we take it for granted under the new covenant, that we can just be in Jesus' presence. We can step right before the throne. Sometimes we take it for granted and don't realize how much it took for us to be able to be able to step into his presence like that amen and so jesus when he came he didn't just come to die he lived a life that showed that he fulfilled every single one of those the word became flesh he made his dwelling among us we've seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth in fact philippians puts it this way you don't have to flip over there unless you want to philippians 2 christ jesus though he was god Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and took on the form of a servant in the likeness of a man. Why did he come? It says that he came and became obedient even to the point of death on a cross. So God has exalted him above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the Jesus who was born in the manger. That's the Jesus we celebrate today. Would you agree? And then I'm going to share something with you that's very interesting. And and this is really something that I remember when I said I'm going to share something that might change Christmas for you and the way you see it. But some of you may have heard some of this stuff. I've shared some things before. But the truth of the matter is that when John spoke about Jesus coming, the first description that was ever given about Jesus when he arrived, no one knew Jesus really much until his baptism. Would you agree? And at his baptism, when Jesus came, before he was even baptized, John the Baptist points to him and says, Not behold the baby who was born in a manger. Not behold, oh, there's the guy, that star that led the wise men from from Persia. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Can I say to you that Christmas is actually the story of the Lamb? Right throughout the Old Testament, lambs symbolized God allowing man to be saved through the shedding of their blood. The Bible says right in Genesis, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. So he instituted and he said, okay guys, you've sinned, blood has to be shed, and so I'm going to give you lambs. And lambs would be sacrificed to cover the sin of all of those who brought the sacrifice so that they could mean God's presence. What was the most important lamb that symbolizes the gospel story more than any other story of a lamb in the Old Testament? Very good. The Passover. hey? Easter. (laughs) When we celebrate Passover, this was the story where God said to them in Egypt, what is Egypt a type of? Remember I said it's types and shadows? So I want to wrap up giving you some of these types and shadows so you can catch this revelation. They were in Egypt, which is a type of the world. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. Moses is a type of Jesus. We're not meant to worship Moses. We're not meant to go back to all the feasts of Israel. We're meant to recognize they were all fulfilled in Jesus. That's why Paul says to the Hebrews and the Galatians, why are you celebrating these weird days? And not to Hebrews, to Galatians. Jesus fulfilled them all. We don't go back to the Old Testament. We are released from all that to celebrate Jesus who fulfills all of it. Amen. And so the Passover lamb, while they were in that captivity, Moses comes to set them free. And there's a battle and there's warfare. Moses gets pushed around a little. Jesus also went through some stuff before he could redeem us. Not only that, Moses, when he was born, was born in a basket made of hay and straw. Jesus was born in a basket full of hay and straw. When Moses was saved out of the clutches of Pharaoh, who did Pharaoh kill? All the boys, two and under. When Jesus was born and the wise men came and said, where's the king of the Jews, who must now be around two years old, who did Herod kill? All the boys two and under to try and get rid of him. Do you see the likeness, the type and the shadow of Israel, the church, Moses? And so when they get set free, God says to them, now I'm going to give you the type of Jesus. The true type is the lamb. You're going to take a lamb. You're going to take a one-year-old lamb. You're going to shed that lamb's blood and you're going to paint it on the doorposts of your homes. And when death comes, he sees the blood of the lamb, death will pass over you so you won't ever die. And you will be released into the promised land. So those who embrace the lamb of God, Jesus, the fact that he shed his blood for you, are the ones that death passes over in the second death. Isn't that cool? And so, do you mind if I just take a moment to share about how Jesus fulfilled being the Lamb of God. If that was the first thing, we see that Carol last uh, Sunday, two days ago, uh, that's your Christmas Carol, by the way. It's my Christmas Carol. Uh, I told her to take a day off. She hasn't taken a day off for the entire year. And I said to her, this is going to be a low Sunday. Take some time off. Okay, is that okay with everyone? She hasn't had a single day off the whole year, so I felt like she needed some time off. Because we know how committed she is, and we know that she's worshiping Jesus in her heart. So, here we go. Shepherds, keeping watch over their flocks. Why does the message of an entire host of angels not come to the rulers, not come to the great wealthy people, not come to the whole world? There was only one message sent at the birth of Jesus by all the angels. Who was it to? Shepherds. What were the shepherds doing? They were keeping watch over their flocks at night in the fields. So let me say this to you. Both the Talmud, as well as many Hebrew rabbis, as well as Messianic rabbis. I've done a lot of research. I had the references. Can you all see the references up there? <laughs> Go and read it up for yourself so you can believe me. Have done a lot of research on this. And the fact is that the shepherds would only be out in the fields at night when the sheep we giving birth to new lambs. Because every other time, sheep would be penned up at night. Secondly, you don't go out with the lambs at night in winter. Okay? <laughs> they would only do it in the springtime. So, look, most of you know Jesus wasn't born December 25th, and that's okay. He's eternal. We can choose any day to celebrate Jesus. Truth of matter, he was born in the springtime, which is our march. And when the... Angels come and give this message to the shepherds. The shepherds are standing there. The first week of the month of Nisan is the week that lambs are born in Israel. Isn't that cool? Lambs aren't born all through the year. And what were the shepherds doing? Their whole job, the Talmud tells us, many rabbis will tell us, that the shepherds' job that time of year was to be with the sheep at night in case they gave birth at night. So they were keeping watch. They weren't just looking after the sheep and they're chilling. They were keeping watch for what? Newborn lambs. And the very shepherds who were looking for newborn lambs, the whole of heaven comes and says, let me show you the newborn lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And those very shepherds who were called to look for lambs get sent to the manger to see the lamb. Isn't that cool? Some of you are feeling a little sheepish now. I'm really not trying to pull the wool over your eyes. John, when he introduces the Messiah... He says, when he saw Jesus coming toward him, look, the Lamb of God, it takes away the sin of the world. This is what I meant when I said, the man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. That's the message of Christmas. So the first week of Nisan is also an interesting one because Jesus, remember I said he gave holy days to Israel. Virtually every important event in Jesus' life fulfilled a holy day. Virtually every significant central thing that Jesus did was either on a holy day or a feast in Israel. Because if God chose him before the foundations of the earth, don't you think everything he gave to Israel and the world to do for him would have been a type and a shadow of his coming? So his coming fulfilled all of it. So Nisan, believe it or not, means, anyone, any Hebrew scholars know what Nisan means? It means new beginnings. Just say cool. Cool. Not only is it new beginnings, Nissan is the first month on the Jewish calendar. So the month of Nissan, the beginning of Nissan, is the beginning of the new calendar. And to the Hebrews and the Jews, that meant the old calendar has gone and the new calendar has come and we start a whole new calendar. Not only that, but I think that you will recognize that our calendar today has been changed forever because of his birth. Your birthday is determined by his birthday. I was born 19... 60, I'm not going to tell you. How do I know that? Because it's dated back from Jesus' birth, A.D. He not only came when the Jewish calendar changed, he brought an entire change to the entire world calendar so that people who don't believe in him slept to <laughs> recognize that the calendar revolves around him. Isn't that cool? So let me tell you some other things that will really surprise you. When we talk about Passover, I shared some of this in Easter, but some of you weren't there. So I'm going to share it again. And those of you who were probably forgot, right? When it comes to the Passover, remember Jesus fulfilled the Passover. These lambs that were being born in the first of Nisan were being born in Bethlehem. Bible prophesied the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. They had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Why Bethlehem? Well, it was the law at the time when they were established in Jerusalem with that temple. It was the law at the time that only lambs born in Bethlehem could be used for the Passover sacrifice. Mm. So those lambs who were born in Bethlehem that first week of Nisan were the very lambs that were going to be traveled from Bethlehem on the first of Nisan the next year. Remember, they had to be a year old. And they would travel from Bethlehem. On the 10th of Nisan, they would take them from Bethlehem and walk through a very specific path that took them into Jerusalem through the pathway into the gate that led them to their houses. Because they had to take the lamb. The Bible tells us very specifically, take a lamb, one year old, into your house. They had to take them along that path into Jerusalem, bring them into their houses where they could get to know that lamb for three days. Whoa. Can you imagine? Lambs are cute little things, man. What a cute little lemmy, can we name it? Mom and dad are going, oh, their hearts are going to be broken. But that's the whole point is to show how much sacrifice was involved in God giving his son. What did Jesus do on the 10th of Nisan? He got onto a donkey and he rode through that exact same road on the Jewish holiday known as the Day of the Lamb. On that exact same road, people were putting palm branches down for him to ride in to Jerusalem. That same road was the road that they were bringing the lambs from Bethlehem into their homes. At the same time they were bringing the lambs into their houses, God was bringing his lamb into his house because Jesus came into Jerusalem went straight to the temple. Isn't that cool? Jesus brought his lamb into the house. I think some of this is quite interesting, don't you? First week of Nissan, 20th of March, that's when Jesus was really born. It would mean we'd be celebrating Christmas and Easter in the same couple of weeks. And so I think it was God's will that we had a break to celebrate, you know, so we can have two times to message the whole world on this. In fact, we also know the exact date because of the star. Remember the star? The wise men in the east, who were they? They were called Magi. We often, people talk about, oh, the Magi were astronomers and astrologers and, you know, they went into magic. No, actually, who set up the Magi and who was the ruler of the Magi under the Old Testament was Daniel. When Daniel was taken into captivity, he was the leader of the wise men. God gave Daniel, if you read Daniel, the prophetic words about the coming of the Messiah, even the end times. And how much of you believe Daniel would have passed on the information that would have been handed down to the wise men of Persia? And there was a belief system in Persia at the time, when they studied the stars, that there were various stars given to various meanings. So the star of Jupiter was the star of the kings. So when they saw Jupiter, that's the star of the kings. Aries was the constellation of Judah, Judea. And do you know that on the first of Nisan, the Bible says, not the Bible, modern astronomers tell us today that... 6,000 years, every 6,000 years, this happens. Only once every 6,000 years. There's a constellation between Jupiter, Saturn, Venus, and Mars that created a very, very bright star in the sky that had never been seen before. They looked and they said, hang on, that's the star of the king. That's the constellation of Judah. That means a king's been born in Judah. Let's go and worship him. Ain't that cool? Now, how many wise men were there? Well, if you went to Sunday school, there were three, right? (laughs) Why were there three? Because they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. (laughs) Isaiah prophesied this, by the way. It was prophesied long before that camels would come from the east bearing gifts of gold and frankincense. But I want to tell you that that journey took two years. (laughs) So the wise men weren't at the stable if you've got a little picture of a stable with wise men there, just take them out because they were not there. The Bible says when they came, they arrived and he was in a house already. He was already a toddler. It took him two years. That's why Herod killed all the babies two years and under because that's how old Jesus would have been. And the wise men traveling two years through tetris, tr- tetris territory Tetris territory, say that with me, there would have been a whole caravan of them. There could literally have been a hundred of them and when they got there there was an entire entourage you don't just travel three men on a two-year journey through treacherous territory and we know that that took place the star was there so Thomas could tell us very very clearly today when that constellation took place isn't that cool and so if we see him as the lamb of god the lambs that they were bringing in were only temporary, but only Jesus could become the final lamb. Why do you think God destroyed the temple so they would never be tempted again to sacrifice an animal because Jesus was the final sacrifice? In AD 70, he destroyed the temple so that we could know he's the only lamb. Now, 10th of Nisan, they got him, they're in the houses. On the 14th of Nisan, they would start to prepare the lamb for the sacrifice of Passover. What was Jesus doing on the 14th of Nisan? sitting with his disciples at the Last Supper, saying to them, this bread represents the new covenant. This bread represents the covenant of my body being broken for you. This cup represents the new covenant, my blood being shed for you. Right there he said to them, I'm the lamb who's going to have his body broken, who's going to shed his blood, so that you'll never have to sacrifice another lamb ever again. And he goes out, and he walks the same path that that lamb would have been taken, Where he gets arrested and dragged off to be crucified. Here's the interesting thing. On the next day that lamb that was brought into Jerusalem. There would be one that they would bind at the temple. The very hour that that lamb was bound at the temple for all to see publicly. Jesus was bound on the cross for all to see publicly. The exact same time. In fact, we know the very hour that they would slaughter that lamb for Passover. The very hour the lamb was slaughtered. Why do you think Jesus hung on the cross for so many hours? He was fulfilling prophetic words every hour. Everything he went through fulfilled prophecy. And I don't have time to do that anymore because I'm wrapping up, okay? So if you want all of that stuff, you can talk to me next year. When Jesus said, it is finished, and gave up his last breath, They sacrificed the lamb that was brought in to the temple. And the temple curtain was torn in two. To say that that lamb that you sacrificed at the temple is no longer necessary. Everyone can come through the lamb that has died. Isn't that great? And then when does he rise? He also rises on a holy day. That day that he rose was the day of first fruits. Now, some of you know your Bibles, that might mean something because in Corinthians, Paul says, Jesus is the first fruits of those who were resurrected, and those who have received the lamb will be resurrected with him. He's the first fruits, we the rest of the fruits. So some of you think you're a bit fruity, it's okay. And those of us who are believing in the lamb will be resurrected with him just like he was as first fruits of what is to come. Isn't that great news? And so if we're going to be resurrected with Him, we're going to stand in the throngs of heaven. And the Lamb of God was not just ended then. Can I just close with Revelation 5? It says, here we are. We're resurrected. And the resurrected ones, John sees in Revelation, a crowd that no one could count. And they encircled the throne, living creatures and elders. In a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power. Wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and praise. Who? The Lamb. Do you know in Revelation how many times John saw the Lamb? They said, we've got a scroll here that needs to be opened, but no one is worthy. And John says, he nearly wept because no one was found worthy of the scroll. And then they said, but there is one worthy, and that is the Lamb who was slain. So Jesus not only manifests as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, as the ruler of all, with a flaming double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, hair like shining sun that made John the apostle fall flat on his face like a dead man. He also manifests in heaven as the lamb. Isn't that cool? I did I've done a couple of weddings recently where I talk about covenant. In covenant, they would cut scars in their hands and rub ash in them so that the scars would remain to say I'm in covenant. The lamb in heaven still has his scars. Have you ever wondered why Jesus didn't heal completely? He showed them his scars and his wounds. Because in covenant that was under the Old Testament covenant, those scars were a sign of covenant. I better stop now. I'm on a roll. So let me say this in closing. If God was so meticulous in planning the times, the ministry, the works of Jesus way in advance. Do you think maybe he's done the same for you? Maybe in Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us before the foundations of the world. In fact, in Acts, when Paul stood before the Greeks in Athens, he said, Don't you know that the God of the universe created all men that they might seek him? He determined the exact times and places that they would love, move, and have their being. You're not here by accident. He determined the exact time and place that you'd be born. Just go, whoa. I've heard children say, oh, I was an accident. I'm like, no, you weren't. Maybe to your parents, but not to God. He determined the exact times and place you would live, move, and have you be. And he has ordained amazing, incredible, specific things for those who will choose him and walk his path. So before the foundation of the world, God chose the lamb who would die for you and redeem us to be able to be children of God. But before the foundation of the world, he also Chose good works for you. Isn't that good news? Which means you're significant and you're here for a purpose just like Jesus was. And the Lamb is worthy of all our worship. Could we stand and pray? Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, name above all names. We thank you that you came as a lamb, the final sacrifice. We don't have to do anything, it's already done. The Bible says when John saw the throngs of those who had been resurrected, that we were clothed in robes washed white by the blood of the lamb. John, when he talks about Jesus being the lamb, he says this, and I alluded to it in John 1. To those who receive him, he gives the power to become the children of God. Let me tell you, if you've received Jesus as the lamb, if you've received the shedding of his blood, the breaking of his body, that he has done it all for you, there's nothing more you need to do. If you've received Jesus and said, you my Lord, you my Savior, you my Messiah. I choose to live for you, in you, with you. Then everything God created for you before the foundation of the world, every good work is going to come to pass in your life as you are led by his Spirit. Father, I pray for each person here. Give us a revelation of what you've done. But not just to celebrate that, to celebrate the fact that you've called us too. You've called us, as Jesus said, that we can even do greater works than he did. And we want to do those good works. And today we put up our hands and we say, Jesus, use me. Jesus, today let me be the voice of the Lamb wherever I go. Lord, wherever I go during these holidays, when I go back to work or school, wherever it might be, I declare right now, I want to be used for those good works. How many of you would raise your hands and say, yes, Lord, would you do that? Thank you, Jesus. Release those good works, Lord. (laughs) And so, Lord Jesus, as we go from this place, we stand covered by the blood of Jesus that the enemy cannot get through. No lie can get through. Only the truth can prevail. And I declare right now, grace health peace prosperity joy salvation shalom everything jesus bought and purchased on the cross is ours we receive it right now and would you say this with me in closing lord jesus Jesus. lamb of god thank you you died in my place you shed your blood for me your body was broken for me and i received that sacrifice and i stand now With confidence before the throne of grace. Washed white by the blood of the Lamb. Nothing more I need to do. Not ashamed. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. Righteous before you. Use me today, Lord. Cause me to see you in new ways. And reveal you to others in new ways. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you give him a hand?